Hello, I am Anika Orock, author of The Incredible Women of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, and you are listening to the fabulous Baseball and Barbecue Podcast with Jeff and Len. that song oh yes i do but jeff we have forgetting one very important part welcome to episode 126 of baseball and barbecue and yes i do remember that i am len aberman you are jeff cohen i am and that is none other than from the movie a league of their own the all-american girls professional baseball league and Jeff, why don't you tell us why we start with that song? We actually have two members of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League talking to us today. Wait a minute, Jeff. Are you saying they were actors in the movie or were they the actual players? They were the actual players. Wow. And would that be Shirley Berkovich and Maybelle Blair? That would be. Yeah. You know, they They are great. They were fantastic. That was I hate to label, uh, you know, these I always say these episodes are like our our children. You know, it's you can't pick a favorite, but they were they were terrific. They were they were a delight. So I am so looking forward to sharing that interview with everyone because they were terrific. They have such a, a repartee between them or, you know, whatever you want to their 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 banter, their witty banter is just yes. fantastic. Yes. And then, Jeff, we have none other than Amy Mills. Now, Amy Mills, who's you know, her father is was Mike Mills. Uh, he was called the legend. And Amy, in her own right, is just taking barbecue and just continuing what her father uh, started and she's just doing 
great things with it. And that interview was also just terrific. So we have two great, two great interviews, three great guests, two great interviews, and looking forward to both of them. But before we get to them, I just have a question for you, Jeff. You want to know our contact information? I will tell you. Thank you. Give us a call at 516-855-8214. Email us, baseballmbbq at gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page, Baseball and BBQ. Tweet us at the Twitter at Baseball and BBQ. Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue with Barbecue is all spelled out. Our website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And please rate, review us. We'd really appreciate it. And Jeff, do you believe? <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't heard by now, we are on the Believe Network. Yes, we are. And uh, the first episode is already on the network. As we said, you get it just like you get any of our other episodes. Nothing has changed, but it's just I think it's another way to get us because they have their own website and this will be our second episode on Believe. Things are rolling right along, aren't they, Jeff? They certainly are. And baseball is back. Yep. Spring training's in full full gear now. Season starts on April 7th, so that's uh, only a couple of weeks away. Looking that's forward right. to it. The last episode, we, of course, had Gary Looney from the Angels Spring Training Camp, our spring training correspondent. Uh, spring training had just begun, and now we are uh, we are into it. They've started playing the games, mm-hmm. and this is going to be an abbreviated spring training. That that's going to be exciting because it's going to seem like spring training started, and all of a sudden the season's going to start. Exactly. But but you know what? Didn't have a lockout, and is also starting for many people, and that's barbecue season. For those of our listeners that are not year year round barbecuers. And even if you are, I, I think that when it's freezing cold outside, you want to get the food on, you want to get it done. And I don't think that maintaining your grill, cleaning it and doing all the things that, you know, are necessary to keep it up are are being done at least to the fullest extent, because, you know, it's freezing out. Now's the time. Get the grills, get get them cleaned, you know, get the grease cleaned out, whatever, and and just uh, oh, absolutely, it, and also uh, get them serviced, like like yours truly has to, because <laughs> on my gas grill, the igniter went out, so I have the service person coming. Those igniters, those are always. I know I had an igniter on my on my last grill that went out, and I just ended up getting. Uh, at first, I had those really long matches. Yep. And then I just uh, got one of those. Um, well, I still use it for my uh, for my for my smokers. I use the uh, those long lighters. Yeah, yeah. right. But it's, Actually, but I've, the, I've been using my gas grill by lighting it that way. Yeah. So, I mean, you could do it, yeah. but it is nice when you could just push a button. <laughs> so, exactly. So we've got baseball season, barbecue season. We've got great interviews. Jeff, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we go into our first interview? No. All I want to say is enjoy Maybell Blair and Shirley Berkovich. Baseball and barbecue fans, 
this interview, I was just saying how excited I was for this interview. I did not sleep last night. That is how excited I am. You know, we love baseball history. Baseball is not just the MLB. Baseball is the Negro Leagues. Baseball is other leagues, Japan, other countries, you know, well, of course, Japan is being another country. If you love baseball, then you know about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And we have two of the former players joining us on this show. And I think you are in for a big, big treat. We have Maybelle Blair and Shirley Berkovich. And they, just from the small amount of time that we've spent talking to them, I'm telling you, you guys are in for a treat. I don't want to uh, take any time away from this any more that I have already. So please welcome them to Baseball and Barbecue. Welcome, Jeff. I thought you were going to say welcome, but welcome, <laughs> Shirley. Silent. <laughs> welcome, Maybell. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks, Thanks for guys. having us. All right. I'll start with Shirley. Shirley, you had a nickname. Your nickname was Hustle. Mm-hmm. Y- yes. <laughs> and it I, I, it probably doesn't take much to, to think of why you were called Hustle, but why was your nickname Hustle? You know, I really don't know. I uh, I guess because, you know, I just kind of pumped the, the gals up. Come on, Hustle, Hustle. Let's get down that line. Move, move. And uh, next thing I know, they were calling me Hustle. Well, Hustle, of course, played for the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, which, of course, was every, brought to everyone's attention with the movie A League of Their Own. But you know what happens with Hollywood movies? The Hollywood versions become reality. And I know that there's a lot of things that the movie dramatizes or whatever. So I want to just get right into it and just, Shirley, just tell us about your, you know, your childhood and and how you ended up wanting to play for this, this league and play baseball. Well, actually, I, I never knew there was a league like this. I played baseball with the boys on the uh, vacant lots and in the street. No other girls played except me. So <laughs> That that was it. I, I like I said, I never knew about the league. And then one day my brother brought me an article that was in the newspaper and it say, said they were holding tryouts for the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And he said to me, why don't you get down and try out? Well, I was 16 years old, scared to death of doing anything outside the city. So anyway, uh, he said, well, I'll go with you. He said, we'll just sit in the stands. He said, you don't have to go down and play. Just, just, we'll just watch. And, uh, so we, that's what we did. We went down there, we sat in the stands and watched. And, uh, I think he knew that if there was any way he was going to get me down there to sit in the stands, there was no way I was not going to go down there and try out. And that's exactly what happened after I sat there for a while. I said to myself, I can do that. And, uh, so I went down, tried out. A couple weeks later, I got a telegram saying to report to West Baden Springs, Indiana. 
well, my brother and my dad and me, we're all jumping for joy. We're so happy I'm going to get to play baseball. And uh, then my my mom steps in and she says, wait a minute. She said, I never heard of any girls baseball league. She says, taking all you 16-year-old girls down to in Indiana somewhere. She said, no. She says, I'm going with her. So she bought a ticket and uh, we went on the train to Indiana. She met the chaperone and the manager. They assured her that it really was a league, a professional baseball league. So she said to me that I could stay. <laughs> wow. And Maybell, what was uh, your intro into the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League? Well, I was out playing softball in uh, Inglewood, California. And guy comes up to me and says, well, I'm going to sign you up to play professional baseball. And I says, well, I don't think so. I said, my mother would never let me leave anywhere, you know, forget it. So Anyway, he kept on. I says, well, you can follow me home, but it's not going to do you any good. You're wasting your time. My mother won't let me go. Well, he came in. I introduced him to my mother and my father, and they sat there and talked for maybe 10 minutes and 15 minutes. And my mother kept saying, no, 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 my daughter's not leaving. And about time he was about ready to leave, he says, well, Mrs. Blair, you don't understand. We want to pay her $55 a week. And boy, my mother stood up real quick and said, George, go crank the car up. We're taking her to the station and I'm packing her suitcase. And away we went. Wow. I, that's the way I got in. I'm going to read a quote from a, a book called The Incredible Women of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League by our friend Anika Orock. And this is Mew Maybell. It says, my family didn't have any money. So that was my first trip outside of California. They met me at the train, and they took me to the hotel. I had never been by myself, so I pushed the dresser up against the door and got four baseballs and a bat and dared anybody to come into my room. Well, well that's the there? truth. I didn't even spend overnight you know, in, a, in a little sleepover. My mother wouldn't let me out of the house. So I was scared of the dark, actually. I still am a little bit coming at 95, but I don't think anybody wants me nowadays. But anyway... I did. I pushed that dresser up there and I sat up in my bed. I was awake all night long with my baseballs in hand and bat. So that's the way it happened. Yeah. Now, Mabel, you were, it's a Mabel, Maybell, you were a pitcher in the movie. We'll go back to the movie for a second because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I like to do trolling as, uh, on the internet. And so we, we all know that the character, Madonna's character in the movie is fashioned somewhat after you, right? Well, How not much? really, but okay. but that's, when yeah, I that's what I want to know. Pretty close. <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> what did you say, Shirley? <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I tell you, that movie was that that movie was so much fun. We had so much fun. Penny Marshall, you know, when we uh, made it, we had tryouts there at. Well, we first started off in Chicago, then we wound up in Cooperstown, and Penny was trying to get some characters to play in the movie, you know, this one scene it was the only talking thing that we were able to do. And uh, so anyway, she says, well, I need somebody to do this. You know how she talks, real down, raw, raw, raw. 
Anyway, and I said, oh, boy, I know that backwards and forwards. Oh, why, I had it memorized. I thought, well, she'll pick me, that's for sure. You know who she picked? Shirley, Shirley (laughs) Berkovich. Can you believe that? And to this day, she gets royalties from that movie, and she still hasn't bought me a free hot dog yet. <laughs> see how she says, see how she says that? No, you know, it's, that movie's been out for 30 years, and she still doesn't know the line. Oh, come on. And really anybody of, knows that line. No, you don't. All right, let's hear the line. Oh, Donnie, it's so good seeing you. That's what it is. That's not it. What is it? it. Dottie, having you here is good luck. Now, you remember that. Okay, I'm going to remember that next trip. But anyway, (laughs) I still haven't had a bite of that hot dog. And at first, she got some pretty good royalties. But no, God, no, she's not going to buy me nothing, you know. Uh, But that's okay, Shirley. I'll never let you forget it. Listen, listen, if you you saw those royalty checks, there's there's not enough on there to pay for the paper that they're sent on. (laughs) (laughs) But we had a lot of fun there in Cooperstown. Great. About about the movie, a lot of people think the league, they, they know the league, obviously, from the movie. But how much of that, of the league, is truth in the movie and how much was was made up? Could you tell us the difference? Uh, go ahead, Shirley. You give them your version, and I'll give them my version. Oh, oh, she did a wonderful job. She really did. She she showed it uh, the way it was. Other than those few little Hollywoods that are in there, of course, I guess she had to do that. But uh, basically, uh, you know, the the bus rides and the camaraderie among the girls and everything. Uh, I, only thing I was disappointed in was the way the chaperone was uh, portrayed in the movie. Mm. You know, the chaperone was a very important part of our league, especially to us that were teenagers. Uh, yeah. She was kind of a surrogate mom. Uh, she took care of us, made sure we had everything we need. She assigned our rooms when we were on the road. She found our uh, housing when we were in our home city. So it was very important, and you know, sometimes you want you don't want to have to talk to a guy, and it's nice to have someone that you could talk to. So the chaperones, like I say, they were very important. Well, they were painted in the rear end sometimes. I'll tell you, especially when you wanted to go out and have a good time, you had to sneak out after curfew and after they uh, see if you was in bed when you was on the road, you know, but. We managed to get out, I'll tell you. But yeah, they were they were nice. They took care of us and uh, what have you. But surely the movie I think was about ninety ninety five or not ninety five but ninety eighty five ninety percent correct. Just like Shirley said, you know, we would they would allow the managers in the hotel. I mean, in the in, the, in our dressing rooms or anything like that and. These are the things that like Madonna catching the ball, you know, out there leaping up against the wall. Well, that wasn't her. That was a guy standing right above her and dropped it right in her bed, you know, <laughs> that type thing. Right. And these were the things. But, you know, it, what was true was Madonna going sliding in the third base. She did that. That was her sliding in there. And she did. And Madonna would say, go do it again. And well, about 10 tight takes later, she came up and she still was okay with it. Madonna was quite a trooper. You have to really give her credit for that. Uh, let me ask, some of the Hollywood 
parts in there like there was no one brought a child on, onto the team right like that that in the movie they had that one child that that, that came to all the games that didn't happen did it that I don't know because it didn't happen with me. What about you, Shirley? No, I was going to say that might have happened in the early part Earlier. of the league. Uh, but uh, by the time we were in the league, it, uh, well, I never. We, at least on our bus, there was never any kids. Speaking about buses, I'm going to read another quote from the book, and this is uh, attributed to you, Shirley. Some people used to say, "How do you do it? Those long bus rides and all, you know." When you're 16 years old and you're doing something that you like to do, that was the least of my concerns, the bus ride. It was fun. There was a lot of camaraderie with the girls, and we had good times. We had a lot of laughs. I never minded the bus rides. That's true. I, yeah. I never did. It was a, a lot of fun. We we sang. We they uh, sang. played games. We uh, it was it was just a, a fun time and and um, <laughs> most of the time though we slept because usually on the bus rides we were just had just either finished a game or were going to play one and so everyone kind of was snoozing a little but uh, but they were fun they they were you know everyone was in a in good moods. But you know what, though, at my bus, what we did was play poker, and they won all my money. Never learned to play poker. <laughs> what a stoop. They saw a pigeon coming, you know, and there was little Maybell with her, her, her $55, and I think I wound up losing it all. But anyway, don't learn to play poker on a bus with a bunch of women. They'll kill you. That's the – Jeff, I always say I learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. That's my what I learned today. Yep. Don't play poker on a bus with women. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're in deep trouble if you do. Believe me, I my my folks. I thought I was going to get a lot of. I was going to send them home money, but I think it was the other way around. Maybell, you, so you were a pitcher from California. Now you played. So you were you played softball before you played baseball. First of all, which which is easier or it, it, is oh. one easier than the other? Softball. No, no, no. The game is so much alike as far as playing. If you can catch a ball or hit a ball, you can do it in either league or anybody can. Is what I'm trying to say. If you can right. catch a baseball, you can catch a, a baseball. Uh, I mean, vice versa. I'm getting all screwed up here as usual. But anyway, it's it's very similar. You just got to, you know, just take about a couple of weeks to practice and you're in business. No problem. You can do very both of them. Now you played with the Peoria Red Wings in 1948. And is this true? You, it said that you only appeared in one game because you, you had injuries, your legs. You had right. injuries with I your had legs. hurt my legs and, uh, and I couldn't play, but uh, they kept me. And then I was about to get ready that I'd pull the darn thing. So I stayed with them for the whole season. Because they thought I'd for sure and come because I had a very good arm and uh, they wanted to hang on to me. So they did. And you still got paid, right? They didn't. Uh, yeah, oh, they you didn't... better believe I got okay. paid. They kept losing <laughs> on that damn bus. <laughs> okay. and, you, and you also played for, I guess, the softball for the Chicago Cardinals. And then you also played for a softball club in, in New Orleans. Right. I didn't play it actually in New Orleans. I played for their team. Oh. They picked me up, and I played for them for a while. And then when I had my vacation at work, I played for them during that period. 
I didn't want to lose my job because at that time I was doing very well and I couldn't afford to uh, go back and play professional baseball anymore because I had a good job. Now, at that time when you guys were playing, so the league went from 43 to 54. But when the league first started and it was founded by Philip Wrigley, who, of course, Wrigley Field, his father was the owner of the Cubs. And uh, I guess when his father passed away, he got the team and and the chewing gum company. When the league first started, there was you had the finishing school or they had the uh, what were the classes that they had special classes, right, to make sure that you charm school classes or whatever. Oh, yes. Did you guys have that when you when you played? Were they still doing that? No, I think they only had charm school uh, one year, if I'm not mistaken. And it was, uh, you know, they had to learn to walk like a lady, eat like a lady, and try to walk like a lady. And Cammy, who played for Rockford Peaches, said that she had Charlie horses trying to walk up and down them darn steps with a book on her head and high heels, and she couldn't do it. She says that was sort of couldn't quite make make it. So that was true. That was true to the movie. That that that's those scenes. That, that's fascinating. How true that was. Uh, Cheryl, let me ask you again, some between truth and and, and Hollywood in the movie. Uh, in the movie, there's only men who were managers. Is that the same in, in during, during the leagues, during during the uh, all, girls with the all, all men managers? We did have some. The only one I remember is Dottie Green for, for Rockford. She, she managed one year the team. But in the uh, traveling league, they had... Uh, the uh, two managers on the two traveling teams were both women, but mainly the the uh, managers were men. Mm. Men, and you had a couple, you had Hall of Fame managers too. I mean, you had a manager with with the Chicago Colleens was Dave Bancroft, who was well, he wasn't a Hall of Fame manager when he he eventually went into the Hall of Fame in 1971, but he was quite the player, and yeah. and also. Of course, Jimmy, Jimmy Fox. Right, Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox, who, Davey Bancroft, Davey uh, Max Carey. Now, in the in the they movie, sorry, in the movie, they make it like it was, you know, almost beneath them to manage in in this in this league. Well, at least for Jimmy Dugan, <laughs> how how was that 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 wasn't the case with the with the managers, right? I I feel that that was kind of dr- dramatized. Oh. That was one of the Hollywoods. Yeah, yeah, the managers yeah. were great. The the yeah. guys they they never come bursting into the dressing room like Jimmy did, Jimmy Dugan, and uh, <laughs> uh, things like that. They uh, drunk in the dugout. You never had that. You know, I watched that movie last night. Just, I guess I was just in the mood. That's you know, his research. But, <laughs> but I was. I watched it with my wife, and we, you know, just because I was so excited about talking to you guys tonight. That movie still holds up. 30 years later, that movie holds up extremely well. It's still so enjoyable. And and I went, is it John Lovitz, his character, when he, when he's the manager, when he when he's scout. the talent scout. That was that was so funny. Did you guys meet him while you were doing the filming? No. No, I didn't. Did you, Shirley? No, no, I didn't. No, that, no. Never that that's to beat him. Uh, that scene was was. I mean, just some of the things that he, he said. Some, I think he had some of the best lines. Oh, in the, did he, in the movie, he had some really <laughs> funny lines. He did. 
Did, uh, yeah, and, it was a lot of fun making that movie. Did Jeez. either one of, or both of you know Helen Callaghan, Casey Kendall's mom who played in the in the league? I didn't know I, Helen knew Marge. Okay. Yeah, her, uh, his uh, aunt. Ah. They played early. Did you know Helen, league. Shirley? No, no, they played early in the league. Oh, they I, did? I knew Marge. Yeah. The Re- reason I brought that up because Len and I went to an exhibit and he happened to be, one of the sons happened to be there. Uh, not Casey, his brother, and who said his mom was in the league, and and he was one of the producers of of, uh, of a documentary that spurred the film. But I was oh, going to say they were, yeah, yeah, they they were responsible for the movie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, when I took a look at Shirley, your IMDb page, the fact that you know you have a few things on there. Besides a league of their own, you have throw like a girl and the sweet spot, a treasury of baseball stories, which I think Maybell, you were involved with that as well, I think. Yes. So do you guys want to Maybell, do you want to start? Tell us exactly what that is. Well, the sweet spot surely wasn't that when we were interviewed. When were we interviewed for that? Down in I don't know where we were. I, I can't know. remember. Do you remember, Shirley? No, I. We've been interviewed so much. I can't. I can't remember where we were. Well, it's funny because you guys. It's it's kind of like you did this league, right? And you had people watching. You had thousands of people that came to your games, and yet, once this movie came out, it's like all of a sudden you're instant celebrities. Right. Well, that part well, is true. Yeah, because once the league folded, everybody went their separate ways. I mean, nobody, I mean, the, there was no league, so no one stayed together. And the, and the uh, people were from all over the country, so everyone went home or wherever. And nobody talked about it. I mean, I don't, I know I didn't, and maybe I didn't. Uh, it was just something we did. And then all of a sudden the movie came out and everything exploded. So when did you organize? I know that you two are both involved with the, what is it? International There's, Women's thank Baseball you. IWBC. IWBC. Right. IWBC. Yeah. And, and, and I know Maybell, you're working to raise money and maybe Shirley, you are as well to, to oh, open yeah. a, a, a museum, right? A women's baseball museum. Yes, what we're trying to do is, for the Rockford Peaches played by our stadium, we have acquired the property across the street and the property on by our stadium. And what we want to do is build an international women's baseball center like the boys have at Williamsport for women. We want to have a home of our own. And we're trying to raise money right now for our activity building where we will have batting cages and pitching cages and umpire school where we can have uh, teach women umpires, which we need desperately in the major leagues. Uh, We're the only league that doesn't have a woman's umpire. I'd like to discuss that with you. Absolutely. And um, also have a museum. We do not belong in the Hall of Fame. We'd like to have all of the international women because they're play, playing uh, baseball more so than we are, especially Japan and Australia and Canada. They're ahead of us. 
And so we would like to have our own museum, our own Hall of Fame, right there in Rockford where the Rockford Peaches played. Now, we just had another TV series was just made, and that'll be starting there out probably, I think they said maybe in the later part of July. Oh, tell us about that. Well, a TV series that Will Graham and Abby Jacobson have wrote about, and Amazon has picked it up in Sony, and so Shirley and I was a little consultants on the movie, and I mean, the TV series, and that's what's happening, and it should be ready for TV in the end of July. Is that that's a reboot of A League of Their Own for TV? Uh, yeah, a modern version of it with different characters and what have you. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm looking- yes, we're all looking forward to it. And before I forget, I just want to let everybody know the web page is International Women's Baseball Center. Org. If you're interested in, in donating, there's a donate button there. There's pictures that are fantastic. I mean, I'm looking at some of the pictures now. They're just uh, wonderful. Baseball for all. And Shirley, I'm not Shirley, I'm sorry, uh, Maybell, I saw this on the MLB network. You were interviewed and you have a cane that was signed by a lot of people. That's an interesting oh, cane I you have. have there. A, a couple of canes. I've had. Even the vice president signed it. Shirley and I was invited to the White House, and so we were able to go in, and they took us to and uh, almost sit at the state house, and we were invited to the uh, Senate dining room, and we had lunch. And while we were having lunch, and as we walked out, the senator leaped up, and we didn't know who it was, some woman, and said her name was Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris. Ah. And it was our our vice president. She signed the bat. I've got several uh, Hall of Famers on, a lot of girl ball players on the bats, uh, Major League uh, Hall of Famers, and, and girl athletes on it, like Ann Dryers, uh, Drysdale from base, basketball and uh, what have you, and a lot of the L.A. girls that's on there. So nice. that's what's on there. Nice. And, and Shirley, I know you're on your, uh, well, you're both on the board of, of IBWC. So tell us, you know, you mentioned about uh, women's umpiring schools. Could you tell us about that? Because we recently had on people, you know, uh, Perry Barber. Right. And, a friend of yours. Yeah. As yeah. a matter of fact, you are the, the reason why we were able to, to contact you. So we thank Perry yeah. Barber for that. Yeah. Well, that's that's what we're trying to promote, too is uh, we need a woman umpire in Major League Baseball. They they have them in all the other sports, football, basketball, and yet Major League Baseball has no women umpires in the higher higher leagues. They have them down in the lower lower minor leagues, but uh, nothing in the high high major leagues. So we're trying to promote that. Yeah, that's... Jeff, the fact that that the Major League Baseball doesn't have a female umpire, you cannot tell me. I am sure like Perry Barber. Well, she did some spring training games, but she's as good as any male umpire. I mean, they're not OK. They're not up at bat. They're not trying to hit the ball. They as a matter of fact, they're probably more diplomatic and more calm and rational <laughs> than the men umpires. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous. You know what's so ridiculous about it, you guys, is that a woman 
has just as good eyes as a bad. Oh, yeah. She knows the rule book back and forth. It's actually the easiest sport to referee or umpire. We can tell if the ball went on this side of the line or that side. That's very simple to tell. And uh, we got eyes. And why they're holding us back, I have no clue. It, it, it's it's ridiculous. But I think the tide, times are changing. And within a couple of years, I'm hopeful that the baseball will come into the 19th century, not a lot. <laughs> the, t- the, times are ch- <laughs> the times have changed. Of course, I know that. Uh, <laughs> but with, with, with your leadership, Shirley, Maybell, uh, Perry also, and I know Cat Williams. I don't know personally. I, I know from uh, Sabre. Very, very involved in, in, you know, getting women into not just the umpires, but all levels of baseball. And which is all happening. Levels. We have Kim, Kim Nigg is now the uh, general manager of the Marlins. The Mets just signed as just uh, hired Elizabeth Ben to be their uh, one of their top executives. So times are changing. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, it's amazing. They're hiring a lot of girls now. And I certainly hope that they're not hiring a bunch of girls that are uh, a couple or three of them that aren't qualified just to be, you know, filling a roster and saying, oh, well, I hired one. I hired one. But we want to be qualified. We don't want any tokens, just like Kimming and Elizabeth Ben and Jean Alterman or whatever her name is from the New York Yankees. They're qualified women. Sure. So this is what we want is a qualified girl to be uh, to represent us, not somebody that isn't. Now, now, let's talk for a second about when you guys were playing. And they kind of depict this in the movie in the beginning, I, which I thought was kind of that. That's the one thing I thought you you have these people that go to the game and then what they're, they're going to razz on the players because they're women. They're yelling, Oh, you should be in the kitchen and all this stuff, whatever the yelling. And then, uh, and then the woman throws the ball at them. I forget who it was, but when you guys played, did you have to deal with any attitude? Like, you know, why are you guys playing a man's game? Or I, I can't even think of things they might say, but did or, or were you accepted as, as baseball players? Well, during my time, absolutely not. They thought we were pretty darn good, which we were. And we, we had no problems whatsoever. Did you That's have great. any, Shirley? No, because we came in the league later. I came, uh, Maybell came in in 48 and I came in in 49. By then, they realized that we weren't just a show in skirts flying around the, the infield, uh, that we could really play ball. Now, I have talked to some of the, the ladies that, that were in the league from the beginning, and yes, they did have those problems where uh, they were not accepted. Mm. But uh, like I said, by the time uh, we were in the league, they they knew we we were ball players. Now, as, as far as a women's league now, there is a WNBA, which is the uh, the women's league. Why not a WMLB? Do you guys think that that's something that could that could make it? Well, you ask MLB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? There's not ever going to be a woman to make Major League Baseball. The only way they're going to make Major League Baseball is maybe a knuckleball pitcher. But that would be it, because there's no way that we're capable. We're not built like men. We're not as strong as men. And uh, we'll never be able to throw as hard as men. But we are good as women, just like in the uh, WNBA. 
There's not mm-hmm. a bas- woman basketball player that could sit on a, a NBA bench. Uh, that's how much stronger a man is than a woman. But we can sure hold our own when it comes to playing each other, and we're pretty darn good. Yeah, I would. I would pay to to go see it. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Sure, oh, good. <laughs> well, we got to have a good product before uh, people will go see it. We want to be sure that we have enough ball, new ball players to, uh, to be able to field some good teams before we get them out there. And they can, and the players can wear pants, not the, not those skirts that they that <laughs> yeah, you guys had to, to wear. wear. Skirts. Yeah, I mean well, that was. Those skirts weren't so bad to play in. The problem is with the skirts playing in, as far as I was concerned, was sliding. You don't have any sliding pads, you know, and that wasn't too swift. You can still dig a gravel out of my rear end on account of that. <laughs> One of our connections. What about you, Shirley? Yeah, that's right. Uh, the, the, as far as skirts were concerned, they were very comfortable. Yeah, they were a tunic type, one piece, so you never have had to worry about your blouse coming out and everything. And Again, like Maybell said, the only problem was when you had to slide. So you try not to slide. <laughs> yeah. I guess did you, you did a lot of head first slides, I guess, right? You know, well, that didn't help. That's not too swift either. <laughs> no, but at least, you know, that's true. <laughs> so one of our connections is uh, Anika Orak, who wrote the book, uh, the recent book that came out. Uh, the, do you still keep in contact with her? I know she spoke. You spoke both spoke with her in, in her writing the book. She's a terrific author, terrific artist. Do, do you keep keep in touch with with Anika? Uh, I just spoke with her here not too long ago. She was saying that the, she, well, I forget whether she said whether she was coming into California or was. I think that was it. She was going to be in California. And so I told her to be sure and get in touch if she does come. Nice. Yeah, we see her, the, you know, we saw her, I think, at one of our last reunions. I think she was there. And uh-huh. no, we don't, uh, you know, see her very often. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't talked to her for quite a while. How often do you guys uh, have your reunions? Well, we had them every year before COVID started in, and we're dying off like flies, so there's not going to be too many more reunions. We had 650 girls in the league all together, and surely isn't it 49 now that we have left? Well, that we know of. That we know of, and about 25 or 30 of them don't know who in the heck they are. And the other are, are getting old, like Shirley and me. So we're dying off. I, I would encourage everybody to go to the before this the your your museum opens up in 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 Rockford to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame in, in Cooperstown because there is a permanent exhibit for about women in baseball. So that's a very very good exhibit that everybody should check out. Yeah, we're very proud of that exhibit and. I think Major League Baseball has uh, done a great job as far as displaying our uh, exhibits, don't you, Cheryl? Yes. Yeah, they have. They've, they've given us a nice recognition. Now, when you have your reunions, do you still have that desire to pick up the ball and have a catch, play a game? Or is that is Well, that we done? used to have uh, little games, you know, but, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And but we got too darn old. But we do play catch ever so often. 
we still play catch when we go out to baseball fields uh, throughout the first pitch and all of that. That That's fun. We still get a big kick out of that. And you still, travel, you still travel the country doing this, right? I think you were in Maryland last year at the Ripken Stadium doing mm-hmm. some promotions. Yeah, we were at Baseball for All. In fact, Shirley and I uh, went to the very first Baseball for All tournament down in, I think it was Florida, wasn't it, Shirley? Yeah, Florida. And Shirley and I haven't missed one yet. And so we're looking forward to the next one, wherever that'll be. I think, I don't know where they said it was going to be. Colorado, I thought they said. Yeah, Windsor, Colorado. Yeah, so we'll be going to that. And then this coming weekend, we're going to... Compton for baseball for all. They're going to hold a first college baseball little tournament, uh, club tournament in Compton next weekend, in fact. So we'll be down there. Now, Shirley, you played from 1949 to 1951. Did you, was it your decision to leave the league or, I mean, basically what I'm asking is how did you decide or if it was your decision that you were done playing? When I came back from the 50 season and, and uh, I was traded to Rockford for, for the 51 season. While I was in Rockford and while uh, I was playing there, you know, you're kind of looking around and things just aren't looking good. Uh, the, the fans, we didn't have big crowds. Fans were uh, sloughing off. And I don't know, it just didn't look like things were going to do well. So. I was start thinking I was single. I was probably going to have to support myself. So I better get a job with a little more security. Mm. So I, uh, I played out the, the 51 season with Rockford. And then I thought I, I've just got, I had an opportunity to, to get a job and I thought I better take this job because I don't think this, the league's going to last. So that was my decision I made. And I, I, Played the 51 season and then I didn't go back for the for the 52 season. And uh, after 30 years with Pacific Bell, I realized that I made the right choice. Oh, absolutely. And Maybell, you were with Northrop Corporation for 37 years. Right. Yes, I loved it. Absolutely. Yes, she was a manager too. She started as a chauffeur, ended up as a manager. Mm-hmm. Oh. What's yeah, I was uh, the third manager of Northrop Aircraft for Northrop, and it was I had quite a, a career, and I really enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm still looking at the, this website, and there's a picture on here with both of you, Maybell and Shirley, and this little girl, and it's just the smiles on the on, on all your faces, just just wonderful, and you can just tell how much you love the game. Well, you you know, when you uh, go out and you're with these kids, you want to give them the opportunity to be able to play baseball like Shirley and I was. And it does our heart so good because the girls are, you know, they're pushed into softball basically due to the fact that they get scholarships to go to college. And you can't, you can understand that. But there is so many of them that would like to play baseball and have the opportunity to play baseball. I love uh, softball. I love softball very much, but I love baseball. But but give these kids a chance to choose what they want, softball or baseball. Or they could play both like I did. 
And it's something that we have to do for these girls. And uh, they love baseball. If you go to uh, the stadiums, what do you see? Half of the women, uh, half the people are women in there. And they what the opportunities that the boys have. And they love to play. Now, the Georgia Peaches... Make they won what? The Rockford Peaches. Uh, the, the Rockford Peaches, I'm sorry. They won four. Did they win four championships? Yeah, mm-hmm. they were They were the uh, supposed to be the, uh, you know, the hot shots of the league, which uh, they had some pretty darn good ball players, believe me. Yeah, they were the hot. And that's where people know where women's baseball is, is in Rockford. That's why we want to have our museum and our activity building there at Byer Stadium where the Rockford Peaches play because when you mentioned League of Their Own, everybody thinks of the Rockford Peaches, right? Right, of course. So naturally that should be the home for the rock for the uh girl baseball. And we're calling Rockford the cradle of baseball. Nice. That's where it began. That's where it began. I want to just ask you some more, uh, a few questions more about the the league. Were there a lot of trades made? Because I would think that it must have been very difficult to, you know, go to another team when you had this this camaraderie. But did they have a lot of trades? Yeah, I don't know that they they had a lot of trades. I I guess when a team uh, needed a certain type player, they they would opt out for a trade, but. Other than that, I think it was just normal. Just like in regular baseball, yeah. you know, you need players. If you want to trade three for two or one for one, yeah, they had that. And uh, it's just like Major League Baseball. And it, it happened in our league. Was everyone making the same amount? Or were there players who, you know, said, well, just like, you know, with regular baseball, regular baseball, with, you know, the, the, the men's league, let's say, where they some were making more than others. Did that end up happening or did everyone make the same amount? No, it, it, everybody made different amounts uh, okay. uh, as far as I was concerned. And at the end, at the very end, they weren't hardly making anything because a lot of the the old ball players uh, started leaving, like Shirley and a lot of the old ball players, mm-hmm. because a lot of them, their salaries were cut. They weren't going to do it because there wasn't enough fans to support them. Uh, so, Shirley, you were making $55 a week in the beginning. Were you making less when you left? No, I was, I made $75 when I left my last year. Okay. Which was considered a very good amount of money then. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. But but no security. Mm, yeah, you, right. you that, knew that the next problem year was going to be there. With the yeah. league, I mean, yeah. And, and uh, when you're young and, and single and you have to start thinking about your future, it was just something that I felt I needed to do was to right. get get an, a job that had some security. And was there always the feeling, though, that the league was a year-to-year thing, that it was not going to be a permanent thing, that eventually it would fold? Well, not not when I first got when I first got into it. I was so naive. I I thought I thought this is this is my career. I was going to play till I was forty. <laughs> you know, this this is what I thought. I I had I had no no uh, question about. Uh, this was my career. This is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And then, of course, as the years went on and, and you start realizing what it's 
going to be like, then then it turns out to be a different story. You played because you love the game. That's the oh, thing. Oh God, that, that, I, that was all of us. Yeah. Uh, that was all. Yeah, of us. everybody loved the game. My gosh, you, you know when you grow up, your family and your brother and your whole family. You, 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 you that's all you know. You love baseball. I mean, if if it, like like these kids with football players and basketball players, they like to follow the family, and, and that's what happened to us girls. So, Maybell, you were from California. The teams hadn't, they hadn't come out there yet the, uh, to California yet, the, uh, the Dodgers and the, the Giants. I don't think they were, uh, they were there yet. Who did you root for as a, as a kid? As a kid, I was a Chicago Cub because we had a little Wrigley Field here in Los Angeles. Mm. And uh, I used to have to sit in my little chair at the rocket chair and keep score and go out and report to my brother what the score was. He taught me how to keep score, I think, before I was six. And uh, I'd listen to those games and have to run out and tell him every inning what uh, the score was between the Cubs and whoever they were playing at the time. That was my duty. I couldn't go out and play with them because I had to keep score. Uh, And and Shirley, you were from uh, Pennsylvania, right? So. <laughs> She's laughing because I, because I came from uh, Pittsburgh, uh, well, a small town outside of Pittsburgh, and uh, and I love the Pirates, but nobody else does except me. Uh, they had some good players. <laughs> oh my God! Players. Yeah, their day. But you know what she does. During the season, uh, Pittsburgh accidentally wins a couple of games or three games, and she goes in and takes a picture of the box score so she can look at it every so often. They're leading the league. Three wins, no losses. (laughs) That's very good. Anyway, yeah, so I was was fortunate enough to be in a major league city, so I got Mm. to see the Pirates. And whoever they played, of course, back then uh, they only played their teams in their own league, the uh, National League. I never got to see the American League. Only if if uh, they were in the World Series, and well, that <laughs> that didn't happen <laughs> well, very often. Did you have a favorite player on the Pirates? You know, I, everybody asked me that. Did I have a favorite player? I, I loved that team. I liked the whole team. I I didn't pick out one guy or that. Until 1947, Hank Greenberg from the Detroit Tigers came, was traded to the Pirates. And for some reason, I just liked that guy. And I used to sit, sit out there in left field in the bleachers and just, just watch every move he'd make. And uh, so anyway, I, whether, I don't know, I won't, don't want to say he was a favorite player. He was, he was only a Pirate for one year. But I don't know. He just, for some reason, impressed me. Yeah. And he was a good player. I mean, uh, and, but I never saw him in his prime. Right. You know, by the time I saw him, he was already on his way out. What about Ralph Kiner? Yeah, I liked Ralph Kiner. But like I say, to, just to say he was my favorite player. No, I, he mm. wasn't my favorite. I mean, they were all my favorite. I, I lived and died with them, I'll tell you. 
Well, Shirley, Maybell, this has been a wonderful hour chatting with you. Do you want to say anything, any last words about the Women's International Women's Baseball Center and how people can contribute? Go ahead and tell them, Shirley. You're more better at that than I am. I thought you were better at it. No, how to donate. You know how to. That's what I don't know. Well, there, of course, uh, uh, our website is the is the place to go, and there's a uh, a key for for donations, and we certainly appreciate any donations that anybody would make, uh, because we we want this thing to happen, and. Maybell and I want it to happen in our lifetime. And if, if we don't get going pretty soon, our lifetime is going to be over. So please just let everybody know that uh, that we are uh, out there and look at our website and any questions I'm sure you have, they're right there for, for you to tune in on. And uh, we just want to have a, a museum and a place for women's baseball and we want it to be in Rockford. Well, yeah, we... and you, and when you donate you have to go to International Women's Baseball Center, you have to uh, spell it out. Right. You, know, you can't, just can't put IWBC. You got to write is not that right Shirley, International oh, yeah. Women's Baseball yeah, Center. Right. right. Yeah. The actual website we... is is internationalwomensbaseballcenter.org. So uh people right. should right. go there. And uh, absolutely uh, donate. Uh, hopefully, uh, Major League Baseball can donate a few shekels. I mean, I, they, that, they even though they're fighting about money right now, they got they got a few few bucks put away. Where hopefully they can donate and make this thing happen as well. Boy, you better believe it. And when you take those credit cards out, be sure you press hard on that button. <laughs> you guys are fantastic, and you know, I just hope. I, I mean, I, I'm listening to you. And I hear, you know, you have the, the the banter between you two, and it's just you could tell that you two have a very special relationship, and it's you, you're wonderful. I, I don't even know how to. Uh, I'm a fan, and I just want you to know how much we appreciate having you on this show because you really you've brought. We can drop the mic now, Jeff. This is it. We right, <laughs> right. drop the mic. Uh huh. We thank you so much for. Thank coming you very on. much. Thank you. We well, appreciate thank you for having us. Yeah, we appreciate and she still, it. Still, I'm going to get a hot dog out of her. Yet. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. I know every, I you said that the hot dog and I probably stepped right on what you were saying. But I almost forgot before we started recording, I mentioned to Maybell that this is, of course, baseball and barbecue. And Maybell mentioned how much she loved barbecue. So. And I don't know, Shirley, if you're a big barbecue fan, but uh, Maybell, just tell me what is your favorite uh, thing to either cook on the barbecue or just eat from the barbecue? Oh, I can't cook a lick uh, on the barbecue. I just love to eat barbecue. And what do you love to eat? What's your what's your favorite thing? Baby like ribs, back like ribs, baby back ribs. OK. Sauce or no sauce. Those are my very favorites. Do you like sauce or no sauce? Oh, lots of sauce. Lots, lots of sauce. Yeah, a little, little. Do you like a little kick in your sauce? A little spice? Yeah, a little spice for me. It was betcha. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, I had to make sure we, we talked a little bit of barbecue. What about you, Shirley? You like barbecue at chicken. all? Chicken. I'm a chicken. Okay. <laughs> what what What's your favorite part of the chicken? 
uh, the thigh. That's yes. I have been uh, cooking thighs lately. They are so good because they're so moist. You yes. don't need to worry about drying them out. Mm-hmm. That's Chicken what I thighs. like about them. Yes. Oh. Yes. Now, do you do you barbecue or do you just mm. like to eat barbecue? <laughs> don't laugh, Maybelle. <laughs> no, no, I don't cook either. If I, Period. <laughs> if I want barbecue, I have to go somewhere. <laughs> okay. Well, I will tell you this. If you're ever on Long Island, if you're ever in New York, you two both can come to, I will say my house because Jeff thinks I'm a better barbecuer than he is. And oh, you are really? welcome. That's true. Yes. You are okay. welcome to come and I will make ribs. I will make chicken. Ooh. And Ooh. yes, you better absolutely. not say that because we're liable to be there. I, Pack your bag, Maybell. It's it's not an empty <laughs> invitation. It's a real <laughs> invitation. So if you're in New York, I, I it doesn't matter the weather either. I mean, I will cook no matter what you have an wow. invitation. baby back ribs and chicken. Absolutely. Ooh, surely. <laughs> I'm on. All right. I'm on. We're on our way. You don't see that to Shirley and I because we have bag, we'll travel. Okay. That's that's fine. I just have to tell my wife we'll get the house ready. And you are yeah, you get the house ready. You absolutely. got two broads coming. <laughs> and we get the smokers going and, and we'll get the food going, food rolling. So. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> hey, hey, thanks guys for having us. Yeah. Thank, thank you very you much. Appreciate thank it. you very much. Have thank a very good night. Care. Bye. Uh, bye now. Bye. Thank you very much, Shirley and Maybell and Jeff. I don't even think we did that justice. I think we they were they were terrific. They have the the energy that they have. The as I said, the banter between them is just great. I I love I love when 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 Maybell says, "Oh no, that's you know that's an exaggeration. That's Hollywood or whatever." And then Shirley, of course, says, uh, "Oh no, that no that was her." Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I hope that the museum, the, you know, the, the, what they're trying to accomplish is done because I think that it's important. And I, I'd love for them to see that, to see that happen. Um, you and I have both been to the baseball hall of fame. And of course we've seen the exhibit on, mm-hmm. on the all American girls professional baseball league. But, you know, it's funny because people, you know, when you, they, people go by the movie, Mm-hmm. Like I said in the interview, you know, when it's Hollywood, they, that seems to shape things. And people probably didn't even realize that those four teams expanded into 10 teams and the league was 11 years and that uh, oh, yeah, you know, 600, right? Get, 650. The book by, get the book by Anika Orok because that yes. explains it. It's, I mean, the, the changes in dimensions, a whole lot of things happened in that league. Yeah. Yeah. 650 women played in that league. Yes. And you're right. Anika Orak wrote a terrific book. Uh, Jeff, what's the name of that book? It's called The Incredible Women of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. That's a great book. And uh, she had the chance to interview many of these women. Many of these women will definitely enjoy that book. Jeff, one other thing is BaseballBBQ.com. It's a great company. They have great grilling tools and accessories. They they're You've heard us talk about them on many shows. The handles 
of these grilling tools are baseball bat handles. What could be more fun than doing your barbecue holding on to baseball bat handles? Yeah, exactly. And and not only that, they're priced right. They've got other additional items. They've got shirts and hats, and it's just a fun site. So yeah. they're wonderful guys. Take a look, baseballbbq.com. And now, Jeff, want to just, without further ado, want to have uh, introduce Amy Mills. I think you guys will really enjoy listening to her. Our guest will be instantly recognizable to anyone who is a fan of barbecue. She is a James Beard Award nominated author for the book Peace, Love and Barbecue. She's also co-written another book called Praise the Lord. And she is a television personality. She's appeared on Barbecue Brawl, Firemasters, Smoked, Best in Smoke, Chopped and more. I had the pleasure of watching a YouTube video of our guest speaking at a conference. And we'll speak about that because it will bring tears to your eyes. She is part of a barbecue legacy with her father being called the legend. We are extremely honored and just thrilled to welcome to Baseball and Barbecue, Amy Mills. Amy, welcome. Well, the honor is mine. Thank you so much for inviting me. Amy, I'm going to start right off. We unfortunately never had the, the honor of meeting or even speaking with your father. I mean, there, there's so much that I've read about him and seen about him. And I just want to offer, we want to offer our condolences on, on your loss. I, I understand time is supposed to heal all wounds, but I'm sure that it is something that being that he was such a big part of your life, yet to see a bad word said or written about him. So I, I can imagine that it must be just something that you still feel very deeply and and we just wish to offer our condolences. Well, thank you so much. My dad had a remarkable life and he loved barbecue so deeply and it loved him back. So I'm honored to be carrying on the legacy as is everyone here at 17th Street. And we're just going to keep on keeping on because that's the very best way we know how to honor him. Of course. I, I, I look at you. Uh, he went into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. I'm sorry, Jeff, I, I cut you off, but he went into the Barbecue Hall of Fame in 2010, if I am correct there. And I think from everything that is going on with you, that you might end up being the first father daughter team that are in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. That's just it's just a prediction that I'm going <laughs> well, that, to say. That's very kind. I'm just trying to get through this year, much less <laughs> get, get anywhere else at this moment. But that's very kind. Thank you, Amy. We've recently had on David Knight, who's a friend of your dad's, and he had the honor. He has the honor of naming a smoker after him. So that's another way of honoring your dad's legacy with the uh, an old, pick, old, old hickory pit smoker named after your dad. So I, I thought that yes. was very great. Yeah. Yes. Well, my dad designed the smoker, so I love that they called it after him. So, uh, Amy, I mentioned part of the part of all the the video now and and YouTube and you know social media. We can look at ourselves. I mean, even with this podcast, there'll be a day that I would imagine I won't be here, and 
I know my kids don't listen to it now, but they might one day say, you know what, I'm (laughs) going to listen to dad and, and see what he had to say. Watching that recognizing right video on YouTube that I believe you did in 2015, your father introduced you and you came out there. You had tears. Of course, it was it was a beautiful. What, what was the feeling to have your father introduce you like that? Well, that was such a special event. And to, number one, be asked to speak there. That was super special. And to have my dad there introducing me, he did not really quite understand what that was all about, that welcome conference. And, you know, as as the day went on, I was near the very end of the speakers and he finally turned around. He's like, "Okay, I get it. He didn't really want to go, but I'm so happy that he did. And so is he. And, you know, it's just really special. And I'll never forget coming off the stage. Oh, if I could only remember this guy's name, it's it's escaping me at the moment, but he's a food critic in New York. And he said, wow, you really like your dad a lot, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. He's because he said, you talked about him a lot. So it was just special that I was able to, you know, speak from the heart and speak about my family and my dad from that wonderful stage to all my peers and then people who continue to listen to it, which again, the gift of YouTube, right? But it, it was really special more special than you know, and I'm glad that I have that captured. Yeah. So now we look back at that and you said something. I have to tell you, if if anybody watches that and they don't tear up, then I I don't know what, you know, where their heart is, because I I watched that. Now I've watched that, you know, doing research for this. Of course, I watched it. Then I watched it again. Then I showed someone. I said, you have got to see this. This is one of the most beautiful things. You said something in there that now, of course, the time has passed and, and your father is gone now, but you said life is long. It's very long. You said that in there. And then you talked about a friend that stabbed your dad in the back and your dad said something. What, what was it your dad said? It he was said, very I, funny. He, I said, why do you let him keep doing that? And he said, well, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> That's that's one of the things that I'm just like, oh, that's just it. Life is long, very long, but but it's it is very short. It is never, never long enough. You think it's so long. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And you also you said in that there was a few I'm I'm just going to stay on that for a while because I I, instead of jumping around. Thank you for bringing that back to my memory as well. That was just really a super special. That was a career highlight for me, for sure. It was beautiful. And, you know, listen, there's you're on other barbecue podcasts and whatever. And we're going to ask you the questions that everybody wants to hear. But we also want to we we want to get to know you better. And, and just and that I recommend that to anyone. You said three things in there. You said generosity is a recipe for success. That was beautiful. Thank you. One of our mantras. Barbecue is a culture not a concept. And that is something that you, you said in that you say in a TV. uh, Well, I don't know if that's a TV show. We'll talk about that as well. That show, of course, I wrote my notes and they're, they're all over the place. I'm writing notes. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) And then you said home is the most excellent place of all. Yes. Which 
which is actually- And that's where I am now. So yeah. I spent most of my adult life in Boston. Now I'm here and it is pretty excellent. Can you tell us what you mean by barbecue, the culture, not a concept? Sure. I really came up with that saying when I was helping someone on Long Island and this guy had a, he kept saying, I have a taco concept, a pizza concept, a steak concept, and I want to have a barbecue concept. And when I went out to help him, the barbecue concept was a disaster. And it's the first time I realized, well, first that word concept in terms of barbecue is like fingernails on a chalkboard because it's not a concept. It is a culture. And if the people who are running a barbecue restaurant don't know what kind of pit they have or what kind of wood they use, or they cannot talk intelligently about barbecue and the barbecue world, it's just, they could be selling hamburgers. It doesn't matter what they're selling because the people who come to eat in barbecue restaurants want to talk to you about barbecue. They've watched barbecue pit masters and barbecue brawl and all those great shows. And they want to know, do you know these people I see on TV? or I saw you on TV, um, tell me about that. Like they are so into the culture of barbecue. And, you know, that is where that phrase came from. It's funny because, well, we're from Long Island. Sorry, <laughs> no offense to you. I'm sure no, no, I, you know, <laughs> you know it, Long Island is not exactly a barbecue Mecca. So <laughs> well, then there's that. <laughs> you, I think you also said barbecue feeds fuels the soul and crosses all ethnic and racial lines. Could you go into what you meant by that? Sure. That is a line from Peace, Love and Barbecue. It was one of the chapter openers and, you know, really talking about barbecue crossing all kinds of socioeconomic divides. When you go into a barbecue restaurant, you have tradespeople sitting next to bankers, sitting next to politicians, sitting next to moms and, you know, just all kinds of people love barbecue. It really um, levels the playing field. When you're competing on the barbecue circuit, the people you're competing next to are all of those things as well. You really have no idea because your common bond is barbecue and it's just smoothing the rough edges of everything. Uh, I think it was Anthony Bourdain who said, you know, barbecue could create world peace. We could all just sit down together and have some barbecue. It's, it's a very, it brings people down to a very primal level, you know, spire, smoke, wood, all the elements that are used to create barbecue. It's nothing fancy. We've made it fancier, you know, by using certain things, but at its very core, it's a very humble down to earth food. It's, it's just hard to be pretentious when you're eating barbecue. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's true. And, and the other thing, barbecue is such a, it's a gathering, you know, it's a, it's just, it's friends, family. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. I think barbecue, it's just, there's, there's something very special about it. You, you know, people don't, they don't talk about, I, I don't see many podcasts that are dedicated to Italian food. Exactly. That was one <laughs> of my dad's big things. He used to say, he would look out over a crowd and he would say, the spaghetti people are not getting together like this. <laughs> it's not a spaghetti podcast, is there? You actually, so the, the show that you had, it's Peace, Love and Barbecue. And I was watching that on YouTube and it was some 
some people that had restaurants and they were getting together and they um, you were giving them advice. And I, I, I want to watch more episodes of it. I just happened to stumble upon it. Where is that show is where was that show originally? So that show was created. A pilot of that show was created to potentially sell to a network and they did not pick it up. And so we decided we had all of this footage that we would just finish it off ourselves and create this really fun digital series. So it lives only on YouTube uh-huh. and has gotten you know millions of views at this point, but it was such a neat and fun thing to work on for sure. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm watching it. You're welcome. That is, that is like shows that are on now on, I can't understand why a network didn't pick that up. A food network. Uh, you never know. I mean, there's, yeah. Because that is just something that I would imagine it's it's reality TV. I mean, your dad was giving good advice. You're giving good advice. You guys are. I mean, that's I don't know. I, I think it was great. It's OK. I'm, we're we're happy that we have it and that it will live forever. And we are still in touch with most of the people who are on the show. It was really a very special time putting that together. Can you talk to us about 17th Street Barbecue? I know it's I heard it's very famous in, in uh, Illinois. People come from all over the world to go there. So tell us what's make it so, so special. Sure. Well, I think that whole line about barbecue equals friends and family and love is everything that 17th Street is about. My dad started this restaurant in 1985, but he really was into barbecue his whole life in some form or fashion, as was his dad, who had a barbecue sauce. And my dad was a dental technician by trade, but in the evenings and before he went to work, he would come to the bar and his friends would join him for coffee. And then they would all meet up again in the evenings and have a beer. And, you know, barbecue uh, became soon became something that he did daily versus just as a special at the restaurant a few times a week. And most of that was because of the competition barbecue circuit. He and a group of friends started a contest here really as an economic driver, you know, an effort to get other people to come to our town and stay in our hotel and buy gas and buy groceries and enjoy everything Southern Illinois had to offer. They decided they would start a barbecue team so they could go out on the circuit and meet other people and entice them to come to our contest. And very quickly they began winning big on the barbecue circuit. They were bit by the barbecue bug and you know the rest is sort of history. Their fifth competition, they won grand champion overall And that gave them an entry into Memphis in May, which at that time you had to win your way into that contest. And they decided if they would go and cook out of 250 teams, if they just got in like the top 75, that wouldn't be too, too embarrassing. They ended up winning the whole thing overall. They won their category. They won the grand world overall. They got the first perfect score ever given. And they were really the first team above the Mason-Dixon line to win. We are three hours north of Memphis. We we really straddle the the Mason-Dixon line here. We are, um, we say, Midwestern with a Southern accent. And the headline of the Memphis Commercial Appeal the next day read, 
what's the world coming to when a bunch of Yankees beat you at your own game in your own backyard? (laughs) So after all that happened, we really started cooking barbecue every day because people were coming every day to eat the barbecue and the rest is history. Wow. And that, that was Apple City barbecue team, right? Correct. Yes. Right. Yes. And you can see everywhere in our restaurant says this is the home of Apple City barbecue. And those ribs we serve are very similar to the ribs that won at Memphis in May. I heard a story about your ribs. And if you can tell, because I, I know you're going to tell much better than I could. It has to do with Norm from Cheers. George okay, Wentz. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Jeffrey Steingarten, the food critic of Vogue magazine, wrote about the ribs. He, he actually judged one of those Memphis and May contests where Apple City Barbecue won. And he could not understand how they could possibly have won because he thought that he judged all these teams and he ate the finest barbecue in the park that day. So he went over to the booth and, of course, the ribs were gone by the time he got there. But my dad said, I'll send you some ribs. And so he did. And Jeffrey wrote this beautiful ode to barbecue in Vogue. And he talks about answering the door in his white, pristine bathrobe and taking possession of this cooler of ribs and heating them up and eating them and sauces dripping down his face onto his bathrobe. And the final line says, you know, now I understand. So my dad got this phone call. Um, He actually was going to the DuQuoin State Fair, which is about 20 miles away and um, cooking there every day at a booth we had there during the fair, the yearly fair. And this person kept calling the restaurant and asking for my dad and wanting to get some of these ribs. And he said, you know, I'm in the Memphis airport. I am reading this Vogue magazine and I wanna try those ribs. How do I get some? So my dad said, I'll I'll send you some, but he got busy and the guy kept calling, calling, calling. And finally, one day when my dad came in, he was on the phone. And my dad spoke to him again and he said, you know, um, well, my, what's your name? And he said, well, my name is George, you know, I'm Norm on Cheers. So my dad sent him these ribs and said, you know, I just want you to enjoy these, but you please do me a favor, call me back and tell me how you liked them. And if you're ever in Murfreesboro, Illinois, you have to come sit at our bar and have a beer like you were at Cheers. (laughs) And he, he's either from Chicago or Champaign, Illinois, and he maybe went to U of I. I can't, there's an Illinois connection for sure, but we have not, we haven't seen him yet, but every now and then we do send him a box of ribs. Oh, when he comes <laughs> in, make sure everybody goes, Norm! I know, I know. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, Murphy, uh, Murphy's, say Murphy Bur. Why can't I say the name? <laughs> I Mur- don't know. Murfreesboro? Murfreesboro, right? yes, yes. Is, is a small town. It's a tiny town, 8,000 right. people. So d- d- doing my research, I heard you say that the, the town isn't supporting the, the restaurant. It's you're getting a lot of out of town people that come from all over the world, even right. That come. Well, the town, the town does support the restaurant, but there are not enough people here to have created what we've created. Mm-hmm. So a, half of our business does come from out of town, out of state, out of country every single day. Even the day before we had to close during the pandemic, someone from the country Hungary was in the restaurant eating just on a barbecue journey, which is so crazy to me. So we are very feel very fortunate that we are a draw 
um, for people from all over the world. And of course, that is shining a spotlight on our town and on Southern Illinois. And it brings people here to enjoy all the other wonderful things we have to offer here. You know, it's so terrible, Jeff. I, I, the first thing, I, I can't help it. The dad joke comes out or the bad humor. But as soon as Amy says somebody from Hungary and I want to say, well, of course, he was hungry. That uh, I just I know it's terrible. I can't help it. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the other thing you said is you keep track of out of town guests on a chalkboard in the back of the restaurant, which is also how we keep track of our downloads. So it's we have that in common. We do. It's a great way to keep track, keep track of things. It's very modern. <laughs> You know, it Amy, you, you mentioned that uh, your father was in the competition circuit and all those teams. And I think you, you I think there's a quote from you said no two barbecue is the same. Right. Is that true? That's very true. No two barbecues are alike. And even bad barbecue is better than McDonald's. That's my quote. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, you know, what if you use your sauce and your seasoning and your wood, which is also an ingredient, you know, different people can cook all of this barbecue, even using the same thing, it will still taste different, different heat. There's so many variables in cooking barbecue. And really as a restaurateur, what you have to do is be super consistent because that's what your clients want. They expect to come and get the same similar tasting thing every single time. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn to be very, very consistent. Exactly. Now you have a sauce and a what is it a well you have a magic dust that you it's sell the dry on, rub. Mm-hmm. and supposedly it says just not on ice cream it's good on everything but not, well, out, not ice cream. i think that when my dad coined that phrase savory ice creams weren't in but we might need to revisit that because exactly if you ever have jenny's ice cream who you know she has all kinds of um goat cheese and you know, some different, more savory types of things. I think maybe we could make that magic dust taste okay after all. That's that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, why not on ice cream? Why not? <laughs> and now you, so your sauce and your magic dust are two recipes that will never, ever be shared with with the public. So Probably not. <laughs> right. Does anybody ever, you know, say, Amy, come on, let's go to the bar. Come on, just have a few drinks. Like they try to, they try to pry it out of you. No, no, they never have. <laughs> they might, they may not have been successful, but you, you got to be, you got to really be careful of that because you got to keep your guard up. Exactly. That's a, why I never drink more than two drinks. <laughs> <laughs> there was a funny story in the book about um, your dad and talking about ex-wives and the and the sauces, how he wouldn't share the secret. One right, one he had uh, his wife of twenty seven years. He said if he had reached thirty years, maybe he would have might have given it up. Yeah, <laughs> didn't make it. <laughs> one other um, thing that your father accomplished, and, and talking about high places, didn't he go on Air Force One? He did. How he did, did that happen? So in the early 90s, Bill Clinton was here speaking at SIU, Carbondale, Illinois, which is the home of Southern Illinois University, is seven miles away. 
and Bill Clinton was here speaking and we served several different meals to him and the secret service agents. After the talk, he was supposed to actually come to the restaurant and eat. And there was, you know, the situation in Bosnia was heating up. He had to get away. So they asked my dad to just bring everything out to the plane. And he got to go on the plane and meet him and deliver all this food. And he said to the secret service agents, how do you know it's okay for me to be on here? And they said, well, we've been in your restaurant for the past two weeks. You just didn't see us checking you out. And you have top security clearance to board Air Force One. Wow. So he's the only <laughs> pit master to ever have boarded Air Force One. That's great. And then later, one of those Secret Service agents actually had us cater his rehearsal dinner. And we sent all the food for that dinner along with instructions for someone who worked in the White House kitchen to reheat everything. That's great. <laughs> you mentioned Southern Illinois. Illinois. I just want to mention that my favorite basketball play came out of Southern Illinois, uh, Walt Frazier, but that's, okay. a, that, that's a side note. Len, go ahead. Well, my cousin's ex-husband played basketball with him at SIU. Ah, there you go. Small world. Yeah. Yes. Wow. The contest that, that you have, the Murfreesboro Barbecue Cook-Off, there's a special award that the winners get it's that it's a glass apple. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we commissioned, started commissioning those apples. I was trying to think about this the other day, how many years that's been. I don't know if it's been 10 years or not yet, but we are apple city. And of course, everyone loves a trophy and everyone is proud of their trophies, no matter what they are. But we wanted to create a trophy that people would actually put on their shelf instead of you know, all the beer can trophies sometimes migrate to the garage. So we have a local glass blower here who has won all kinds of international awards, very acclaimed. And we asked him to create these one of a kind glass apples. So it's one of my favorite days of the year when those get delivered. It's almost like this orchard in a box is being delivered to us. And we have to put them on bases and put little plaques on them. But they are really one of a kind works of art. And they're all different sizes based on what place you received. And people love them. There is someone named Darren Warth in Des Moines, Iowa. And he has won or placed in our contest so many times. He has a glass case in his restaurant and it's filled with apples. It's really neat. Amy, tell us about the book, Peace, Love and Barbecue, because that's uh, that that's a pretty special book. And the way you the way you guys put that together was a was a special way of doing it. Well, thank you. That book is very um, is super special to me. And, you know, really, when I look back and think about traveling all over the country with my dad. We would visit with our friends and I had a little cassette recorder and I would just start asking questions and then turn the recorder on and everyone would talk. I would go back home and transcribe the tapes and then just create vignettes of these conversations. And really there's lots of people have kind of tried to copy that model or that recipe for that book, but people talk to each other barbecuers differently than they would talk to a journalist or another writer. And especially if you're friends, you, you just get deeper. And because I knew lots of stories I wanted to include, but I wanted to hear it in their words and in their voice, I knew things to ask. So that book is really a love letter. Um, it's about us a little bit, but also about 53 of our best barbecue friends. And it really has 
stood the test of time. It's, it continues to be a bestseller and just, you know, I don't even know what printing it's in right now, but a lot, a lot of those books have sold and it's, it just continues to be near and dear to us. And people have actually taken that book and treated it like a yearbook and they travel with it. They have people in the book, sign it. There's a man who's an attorney in St. Louis. And for years he would call me when he traveled for business and he would say, you know, could you call Desiree Robinson at Cozy Corner and tell her I'm coming in. I would love to just say hello and have her sign my book. And he would travel all over the country. He probably gets the prize for collecting the most signatures in his book. And it's still available on Amazon. I just checked. It's still, it's, <laughs> it is. And on our website too, I'll sign it for oh, you. Oh, excellent. Talking about your website, I noticed that you also have another business called On Cue Consulting. You want to talk to us about that? Sure. On Cue Consulting is a brainstorm that came out of the fact that so many people travel here wanting to talk to my dad, sit at the feet of the master and talk about barbecue. They want to get in the business. They have questions. And my dad would talk to anybody all day long, sometimes to the detriment of our own business. And, you know, we would need to be doing things, but he would be chatting with someone. So I decided that we would start some business classes for barbecue and monetize that. And we started offering the business of barbecue class that has morphed into a catering masterclass and a whole hog extravaganza bovine bonanza, <laughs> where we talk about um, other things as well and bring in some other people to speak at those classes. So this year we just started the classes again. We had uh, an, a forest hiatus and we relaunched those classes in February. So it was very exciting to welcome people from all over the country and even Colombia to our restaurant. And since April of 2009, we've had over 1,300 people from 45 states and 16 countries who've come here to learn about the business of barbecue. So some of those people um, are just getting in the business. Some had been in there a while and just wanted to see what we do. Some are very illustrious old line barbecue people um, who know that you could go somewhere and learn just one or two things that could totally transform your business or make things easier or make you a lot of money because just some little tip or trick that someone else is doing. Mm -hmm. Amy, when you were growing up, your intent was not to be in the family business, if I understand. That was correctly. my intent, yes. Right. So, and you, you go to Boston, you, you, um, you were in advertising, marketing, consulting, right? That, mm -hmm. okay. Um, as a matter of fact, I thought, oh, we'll, we'll get Amy, we'll, we'll hire her to do some marketing of our, of our show. <laughs> But Jeff said we probably could not afford you. So, <laughs> so my roster put, is really full right now, but I'm available for a consult anytime. He, well, Jeff put the kibosh on that. The the budget doesn't <laughs> allow it. Now, when do you get pulled back in? I, I pulled pulled sounds like it was you know when when do you make the decision and what caused you to decide that you wanted to get back and and work with your dad and get into back into the family business? Sure. Well, in 2000, I was newly divorced and I started spending more time in Southern Illinois. And I was visiting here and my dad handed me this little post-it note. 
And he said, would you call this woman back for me? And so I did. And she said, oh, thanks so much for calling me back. I called three weeks ago and I was writing an article for Martha Stewart Living about mail order barbecue and the article's already written. And so I went back and I was like, daddy, we just missed this huge opportunity. Start giving me those little pieces of paper and I will follow up. And so, you know, I started like dipping my toe back in. Now, over the years prior to this, I would, you know, put an ad together or write a paragraph here or there. You know, I helped a tiny bit teeny tiny bit. But now, you know, many more requests are coming in. Um, my dad was starting to work with Danny Meyer and the Union Square hospitality folks on Blue Smoke. You know, things, things were happening or, and things were starting to percolate a little bit. But the most interesting thing is that when I came back into the fold, and again, I'm living in Boston at this time and traveling back and forth, but really for marketing PR, as long as I had a cell phone and FedEx and a computer and an email, I could work from pretty much anywhere. I started reacquainting myself with people I had met growing up and all of these people seemed much more interesting to me now. <laughs> they were not interesting at all. I was running far and fast from all of this, but now that I found them to be very interesting. And I realized this is such a special slice of Americana and this subculture of people that really had not been written about yet. There were a couple of barbecue books out there, but nothing that really talked about the culture of barbecue. And that's when I came up with the idea for Peace, Love and Barbecue. And I wrote a book proposal and found an agent and, you know, sold and wrote the book. So all of that, you know, led me, I was still doing other things and lots of copywriting and consulting in my other communication skills company that I had, but soon I just started getting pulled into 17th street pretty much full time. So basically what I'm hearing is that a post-it note was the exactly. initial cause of that. Who knew? Was it a yellow post-it note or was it one of the, the blue or the yellow. pink? It was yellow. No, it was yellow. Some of the burning questions that we ask. <laughs> yes. it was that's, that's why we're baseball and barbecue. We ask the, we ask what people really want to know. Amy, I'm, I've been looking over your social media. You have Instagram and you have a, a Twitter account. I noticed on Twitter every Sunday you would post something called a Sunday sermon, which is, I guess, great phrases that you put up. Those signs is that sign right outside your uh, restaurant? It's right outside the restaurant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And we change those there. They go up on our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and those are shared all over the world. They have become a thing. A yeah. Very and special I, thing. I'm looking through it. And, and you know, those, I, I like those type of, you know, quotes and phrases. It, it's pretty cool. Uh, by the way, Amy Mills can be found at, at 17th street barbecue. If you're looking on, on, on Twitter, same thing on Instagram. Everything. Yep. At okay. 17th street BBQ. At, at, right. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Great. Yeah. <laughs> And I there don't are two too much on TikTok, but <laughs> I might. There are two locations for 17th Street. And right, you have the other one is newer than yeah. the first, of course. And uh, it's still 16 years old. <laughs> yes. Okay. And that one is about what, 25, 30 miles away from? It's 22 miles away. Yes. Uh, okay. In Marion, Illinois. All right. Is that town a little bigger? 
that town is about 12,000 people, but that town is right off of an interstate. In fact, they've built a ramp right to our door. So it's a much bigger restaurant Mm -hmm. and definitely a little busier. And they're both on 17th street. They are. So that's kind of interesting how we ended up on on the only numbered street in Marion, Illinois, but uh, Marion is a really booming, bustling, lovely town. And the mayor at that time was the longest running serving mayor in America. Same as Bob Butler. And he was very instrumental in getting so many businesses started in Marion. And he would call my dad all the time and say, when are you going to come over here and open up a restaurant? And my dad was really afraid that that would cannibalize our Murfreesboro restaurant. But one day he jokingly said, you know, I can't come over there. You don't have a 17th street. And smart Bob Butler said, well, if that's all it will take, I'll build you one. And so there we are on the only numbered street in Marion, 17th street. And then after that, you know, they built this ramp right to our door and there are all kinds of hotels and things all around us. It's really a bustling little area right as you enter town. So it's been very good to us. And we really love the people in Marion. It's, it's been great. Well, that's great. That's like an athlete coming to a team and they want their number. Exactly. <laughs> but if uh, people can't get to these, to your restaurants, you can ship out to. We do. We have, yeah. we ship mail order. We have ribs, pork, brisket, wings. We do a tremendous number of hams and um, some turkeys, but mostly hams for Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Um, we ship some biscuits that are really delicious. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we ship other merchandise, sauce, magic dust, all of those things. Excellent. And how long does the shipping take? Uh, overnight, one or two days? I mean, what? Yeah. Yes. Um, as we enter in, in the summer, we like to ship overnight. In the winter, we'll do two day shipping. Mm-hmm. Now, Amy, how did your dad become involved? Blue Smoke was up until recently. Well, Blue Smoke is still at City Field, as far as I know, this year. We haven't, of course, the season hasn't begun. But Blue Smoke, I guess the Manhattan location, I believe, is closed now. But how did he become it's involved? It's still in Battery City Park. There are two oh, it is. So okay. that one is okay. still open. Yes. So, so that's such a fascinating story. And again, um, that equalizing power of barbecue. And you never know who you're going to meet in the barbecue world. But there are uh, there's a barbecue judge who is also a Broadway producer of The Producers and Hairspray, among many other you know, Tony award-winning plays. His name is Tom Vertel and his partner, Pat Daly, you know, she knows how much Tom loved barbecue. And she wrote this impassioned plea for him to be selected as a judge at the Jack Daniels barbecue contest. So he met my dad. They both met my dad when he started judging barbecue contests and they thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could have this barbecue in New York. We would ship barbecue to them all the time. So they called around all kinds of people, big names in the food world. No one was interested in barbecue, but one of Tom's producing partners, his name is Rocco Landisman, and he is from St. Louis, where Danny Meyer is from. And he said, you know, I have this friend. Um, He might be interested. He has Union Square Cafe and, and Gramercy Tavern. You know, I don't know what we could ask him. So 
Tom and Pat invited Danny for an evening of baseball and barbecue, knowing that Danny is a huge Cardinals fan and the Cardinals were playing. And my dad shipped some food, having no idea that they were what they were doing. You know, he was just constantly shipping food to them, but he, he ate the food and he was starting to open at that time, 11 Madison Park in Tabla and had no interest in a fifth restaurant at that moment. But he was intrigued and he thought, wow, you know, if this tastes this good right out of the box, you know, frozen, what does it taste like at the source? And so not too much time passed before he and Michael Romano of Union Square Cafe and his other partner, uh, Richard Corain, took a trip to Murfreesboro and just quietly came in, ate some barbecue, really enjoyed it, talked to my dad. Um, they ended up taking trips all over the country, eating barbecue and, you know, thinking about what barbecue in New York could look like. And then they came back and asked my dad if he would help them with that. So that was really special. And, you know, I am constantly crediting Danny. I think that the Big Apple Barbecue Block Party, which was their brainchild and, you know, morphed from five of us in front of Blue Smoke to 16 people surrounding Madison Square Park. That really, to me, was the beginning of the rise of barbecue in America because he was presenting the best pitmasters in the world to all of the media of New York. And there were so many wonderful stories that were written about barbecue. Um, you know, people really were able to start understanding barbecue, the different languages that are spoken in the barbecue world, the um, you know, the nuances and what makes it so special. And that's like a 15,000 mile road trip in one weekend on one square block that you could never go and visit all of those places. And so, you know, we really, all of us so appreciated that stage that, that Danny and USHG provided all of us. It was, I mean, it was really the opportunity of a lifetime. Full disclosure. And uh, I didn't know you, your dad was involved with Blue Smoke. But every time I do go to City Field, I go to that concession stand to get uh, pulled pork for, for to eat. So, it's, oh, well, that's it's, so a, it's, nice. it's my go to place at City Field. I love hearing that. I'm sure they do, too. <laughs> and Jeff, you heard what Amy said. She just said it didn't, you know, baseball and barbecue. She yeah. that, specifically, that was a natural. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And we've said it over and over. It is a natural. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I, I want to just go back to, to something that was said before, you know, Long Island. Actually, we have gotten some very good barbecue places. So Jeff and I will do uh, little barbecue tours. And there are some uh, very good places on the island, one being Dang's Barbecue. And the other is called Smokehouse Barbecue, S-O-S-M-O-K-E-H-A-U-S. No, E. Noe, sorry, it's S-M-O-K-H-A-U-S. And so barbecue has definitely gotten bigger on the island and in New York in, in general. So we don't really have a style. We've asked, you know, people from New York, you know, what is the New York style? And it's kind of whatever people like. But New York is definitely up and coming. But the Big Apple Block Party is no longer, right? That that's No, that had a tremendous 16 year run. And, um, you know, sadly it is no longer, um, one thing that I'm involved with that I'm super excited about, and this is going to be in long Island city at the end of April 
is the Pig Beach in their new location there. There's going to be a big group of pitmasters who are coming to raise funds. It's the second annual Jeff Mishner fundraiser. Um, Jeff was a chef and pitmaster at Pig Beach, and he sadly died, and, you know, leaving a wife and young child. And so we had this wonderful big fundraiser when that happened. And then, of course, we've had this little hiatus, but now we're going to be back. So there'll be lots of familiar names, um, some block party names and many other names as well, all out raising money for this excellent cause at the end of April. Yeah, we you know what, Jeff, we we know of it. I don't know if we had planned on going to it, but um, it might be something that we should go to. You should absolutely be there. Yeah, yeah, we really, we really should. It's and in your should... backyard, right? <clears throat> Just about. It's, it's close yeah. enough. I mean, it's exactly. certainly. It's not walking distance, but it's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, as Jeff likes to say, there's a comedian, Stephen Wright, right? He he says everything's walking distance if you have the time. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Amy, before we wrap up, would you please let us know uh, all your social media, how people can get in touch with you? And anything you'd like to promote? Sure. So we can be found on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at 17th Street BBQ. And that is street spelled out. You know, we love chatting with people online and we try to answer messages and do all of those things. So we we love that. And uh, the other things that we have going on here at 17th Street that we haven't really touched on today are one of our pandemic projects was building a barbecue sauce factory. And this is something we had started a few years ago, but we had contractors who quit, you know, the all kinds of construction woes, but really the pandemic gave us some very concentrated time to get that going. So we're really proud of it. We've been undergoing a lot of certification right now, and we're just starting to take on co-packing, which we're very excited about. So we'll be producing our own barbecue sauces. We have four different sauces as well as co-packing for other people. So there might be people in the barbecue world who are interested in having us pack for them. Um, lots of people have contentious relationships with their co-packers and we, we did too. And so we want to be the co-packer people like, and since we know the business, we know what people are looking for. And in the front of that building, we're getting ready to open a breakfast, lunch, coffee all day shop. It's going to have a drive through for the coffee. It's going to be biscuit based. There'll be some barbecue items. Um, We'll have biscuits and brisket and pimento cheese and pork along with, you know, eggs and bacon and other things on those biscuit sandwiches. There'll be a little gourmet market inside. So we're really excited um, that we've transformed this building on our main street. And we're hoping to spur and inspire other people to buy some of these old buildings and restore them and open new businesses along our main street corridor. Wow. You have, did you, uh, I think you've got uh, a little bit uh, on your plate there. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little, just a little. And and I love the the slogan. It's the co-packer that you like. Exactly. (laughs) Well, if you, if you've ever asked some people who do co-pack, there are some stories. Uh, And Amy there, Obviously, I can't get to every uh, note. As a matter of fact, I had written down about co-packing and I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't get to it. You also have something you're marketing. You have something teachers and preachers. Can you tell okay. us a little bit about that? I thought that was sure. good. 
Sure. Well, we do not really spend money on advertising. So our, all of our marketing efforts are very grassroots and we will support all the churches, all the schools, um, mostly with food, sometimes with money, but mostly it's about feeding people. So for example, we feed all of the referees who come to our, all of the sports games here in the high school. And they thank us over the loudspeaker. And to me, I would rather have them speaking our name than having an ad in the program book or a banner on the wall. So we really do, you know, a, a lot of marketing at the very grassroots level. And again, and giving back and supporting a community, those are the backbone of our business. And so that's who we're really trying to support. You know, Jeff, we have a lot in common with them. We don't spend any money on advertising either. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I, I found it interesting that when your dad, who this is something we didn't get into, he was a dental technician, he, right? He had a dental lab. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we talked about that. But when he started and he had the bar, he was giving away free barbecue to promote, to, to have people drink more. Exactly. Exactly. Every weekend was a fish fry or chili or barbecue and people would come and eat that. And then, you know, really wanting you to just buy the beer and buy the alcohol. He might've charged a dollar a plate, but he didn't charge very much if he ever charged anything. Wow. That w- must've been a time to be in Murfreesboro. I would have exactly. liked that. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amy, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. The, the website is 17bbq.com. Check it out. A lot of uh, pages to go to. There's a shop. Order the books, T-shirts, hats. Order the food. They'll ship it to you. Sauces. I mean, you, you, you have some the packages with the book. There's, there's a package with the book and with a couple of sauces that, that'll make great gifts. Thank you. Yeah, really some some terrific stuff. And Amy, you're you're just terrific. We greatly appreciate you coming on Baseball and Barbecue. We thank well, you. Well, so I'm much. delighted to be here and I hope I will meet you in person at Pig Beach at the end of April. We now we Jeff, we you must go. Okay. Now we have to go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we will definitely. Yes. Thank you very much, Amy. Thank you thank very you, much. Thank you. And we want to thank Amy Mills for taking the time to join us. I mean, that was a very good interview. Len, what did you think? Yeah, I really thought it was terrific. It's got to be um, to have a father like that and to take over the business. It must be an honor. And and to hear all the great things that are, is, are said about her father mm-hmm. must really feel great. When we stopped recording, I actually mentioned to Amy that we had there was a similar situation with uh, Irene Hodges, who we had on this show, and her father, Gil Hodges, who just got into the Baseball Hall of Fame and was spoken about. Irene never has never heard a bad word about him. Daily, she has people stop her on the street telling her how much they loved her father. She gets letters, calls, whatever. And and as I said to Amy, I think that's I would imagine that's the same that is for her. And Amy agreed. She said, yes, that is, that is true. So um, just wonderful to speak with her. I highly recommend that you go and watch that YouTube video because it's just, I, especially now 
it, it just becomes even more meaningful. Really enjoyed that. So thank you, Amy. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you, Maybell. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Len. You're welcome. <laughs> Is there anybody else that we should thank? Our audience. <laughs> yeah, thank you to our listeners. We hope that you're enjoying the show. The being on the Believe Network is a great thing, but it doesn't affect you in any way. And with that, take us out, Len. We have the poet, Shel Krakowski, the musician, Dave Dresser, and the song that we love, Baseball Always Brings You Home. See ya.